If you've been with us, we're walking through kind of the life and the book of Jeremiah. Uh, we're about a third of the way through, ballparkish. Um, give you a quick history. And you, I'm, you're going to hear this every week until you can like repeat it in your head, and then you'll be amazed how it will help you with other Bible stuff. But Israel went into the promised land. They wanted a king like everyone else. So God gave them Saul, and then uh, came a guy by the name of David, and now he was followed by a guy by the name of Solomon, and then Solomon gives the kingdom to his two sons, and it splits. Uh, Israel goes to the north, ten tribes. Judah goes to the south, two tribes. Israel to the north doesn't follow God, doesn't want anything to do with God. They have bad king after bad king after bad king. God sends judgment. They go into captivity. King to the south, the kingdom to the south, the two tribes to the south, we know is Judah, different story. Those guys, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. God continued to work with them. A good king would come along and do good things. Bad king would come along, do bad things, and go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until finally they had headed in a direction, and God said, enough is enough. And so God was going to send judgment. And they too, like their, their neighbors to the north, were going to go into captivity. But it was going to be much, much different and much, much more drastic. And so God sends a, a, a prophet, a guy to speak for him to the people by the name of Jeremiah. So when we get to the book of Jeremiah, it is about Israel's last chance, so to speak. And Jeremiah is going to preach 40 years. In 40 years, no one's going to listen to him. No one's going to pay any attention to him. And they don't like his message at all. And eventually, Israel, Judah is going to go into captivity, and it's going to be bad. When we pick up the story this morning, and we've talked about the, the messages. The book of Jeremiah has 12 messages that Jeremiah preaches to the people. We've talked about some of those. Um, we talked about the idea of the scarecrow, that God, God said, you know, look, the idols that you worship, they're like scarecrows, and they don't, they're not doing anything for you. You've got to move them around. They don't speak for you. To worship a scarecrow is crazy, but... That's basically what you think you're doing. That's basically what you're doing. And we talked about the idea that um, God told Jeremiah to go out and buy a pair of underwear. Brand new pair of underwear. Don't wash it. Just put it on and wear it. So he does. Then the guy says, now I want you to take a long trip. Takes a long trip. God says, now take the underwear off. Put it in a clip of rock. Now go back home. Jeremiah goes back home. And then later God says, hey, I want you to go get that pair of underwear. So Jeremiah makes the trip back, pulls a pair of underwear out, and it's all nasty, and it's been in the weather, and it's dirty and everything else. And God says, okay, Jeremiah, put it on. <laughs> Jeremiah goes, you got to be kidding me. You can't wear this. It's worthless. Jeremiah said, exactly. And God said, exactly, Jeremiah. That's what my people have done. I brought them clean and whole into the promised land. I gave them everything, but they didn't listen. And so, Jeremiah, you wanting me to take them back is like me asking you to wear this. It's just not, I actually had somebody come up after church and goes, you know, you could still wear that. Um, <laughs> no, Todd, you can't have it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I knew people would do that because uh, yeah, I've got shirts that are like that. My wife's like, you've got to throw that out. I'm like, no, I've got like another good couple of months out of it. Uh, but Jeremiah said, no, I can't wear it. God said, that's what we talked a couple weeks ago about the idea that God said, uh, talked about the blessed man and the cursed man. He said, Jeremiah, the blessed man that, that follows me, you know, he's like this tree that, that is by the river that I've planted and it's strong and when difficult times come, it grows and it bears fruit and it's phenomenal. He said, but Israel has turned their back on me, and they're really like a dead, a dead bush in the desert. He said, the difficulties come, and the hardship goes, and he says, they think they're okay, but they can't handle any of them. They just fall all apart. And then last week, we talked about the story of the potter, where God sends Jeremiah to a potter's house, and he says, I want you to watch the potter, and the potter makes a piece of a, a, a pot that molds it and shapes it, and, and he uses it to say, Jeremiah, look, 
I don't care what you think about the pot. I made it. And I'm a potter. I can do with it what I want, and I can make it, and it's beautiful in my sight because I made it. And he said, Jeremiah, I'm the potter. You've got to let me do what I want to do because I know what I'm doing. And then he sends him to the potter's house a second time. He tells him to buy a piece of pottery. And so Jeremiah goes down and buys a piece of pottery, and he says, I want you to take that piece of pottery, and I want you to go down into, the, into Hinnon. I want you to grab the elders. I want you to grab the priests. I want you to grab all the important people. I want you to take that pot, and I want you to smash it into a gazillion pieces. And he said, then I want you to explain to the, the, the leaders of the day that, look, that's exactly what God's going to do to you. Unless you turn back to him, unless you start to follow him, God's going to smash you in a million pieces. You guys going to be scattered all over, and it's going to be almost impossible to ever put you back together. He said, Jeremiah, that's the message I want you to preach. So that's what Jeremiah does. He grabs all the leaders. He grabs all the important people of the town. They go out to the hit on there, and he takes that pot, and he smashes it, and it mixes in with all the other busted pots laying around. And Jeremiah says, that is what's coming your way if you don't listen to God. Now, that's where our story ends, and that's where we pick up the story this morning, Jeremiah chapter 20. At this point, Josiah is dead. Uh, Jehoiakim, he's, he's, about, he's a couple years, about four or five years into the reign of Jehoiakim. <clears throat> There's only two more kings left. And one of the first things, Babylon is, they're already ticked to Jerusalem, and they are on their way. And Jeremiah has just said, look, this is what God's going to do to you. He's going to scatter you to the ends of the earth. And you now come to chapter 20. Now, I'm going to give you a, a little history here because this, chapter 20 is pretty tough to work through biblically when you're reading it. Okay? There's two ideas. One is in, in chapter 20, what's going to happen is they're going to beat Jeremiah, they're going to throw him into prison, and they're going to let him go. That's the first five verses. And then you're going to have a section of verses that talk about what Jeremiah went through. And we're going to see Jeremiah depressed. We're going to see him excited. We're going to see him d- depressed again. So the idea is, do the, is it like the first five verses, and then Jeremiah goes into this depression thing? Or is it verses 1 through 5 tell you physically what happened to him, and the rest of the chapter is about what he experienced emotionally wrestling with during that time? And I think that's how I'm going to apply it this morning, because I think it makes more sense, and you'll see why. Okay? So I'm going to break the chapter down. I'm going to look at the first three, first couple of verses. Then we're going to look at the rest of the chapter, and we'll go back to the, how the story ends. All right? So um, here we go. First thing he says is, When the priest Pashar, son of Emmer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophets beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Now, it doesn't convey it there as much as it does in the Hebrew language. What beaten basically means he got 40 stripes. Now, if you'll remember, by the time of Christ... The Romans had come in, and you could only be beaten 39 times. This is pre-Roman. So back then, they beat people 40 times because they didn't realize that usually on the 40th time, you died. And so by the time we get to time of Christ, they've limited it to 39. And they said, you hit a guy 40 times, and he dies, then we kill you. But this time, typical beating was 40, 40, 40 lashes, 40 canings, 40 whatever. So the head religious guy beats him and then puts him in stocks. The idea is kind of the um, old English idea of the, the, the pillory kind of thing, you know, where they got the head in and doing that kind of thing. May have been that, may have been strung up, but the idea is it would have been very public and everybody would have known about it. 
Now, here's what's significant. This is the first time Jeremiah has ever been physically punished, if you will, for standing up for God. I'm going to now it's all been verbal. I'm going to now it's all been people saying stuff and stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden, there is physical pain and physical hardship and physical difficulty dealt with him being God's man and God's place and God's time. So let me ask you something. If you're the guy who God's called and God said, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm your guy. You know, you just stand up and do what's right for me and da-da-da-da-da. And then you get hauled up and beaten and ridiculed. What are, what's going through your head? What's going through your head when you stand up at work and somebody starts taking shots at you? goes through your head when all of a sudden you try to do right and you honor God and you're trying to make right decisions and everything else and your neighbor next door who could care less about God looks pretty happy because he bought the new car that you've been wanting or the new boat or the new this or the new that. And he doesn't look like he's got a care in the world. I mean, you drive your carcass out of bed this morning because you wanted to go to church and he's sitting there in his flip-flops and his shorts getting ready to haul off to the beach. And you're going, what's wrong with this picture? And you start wondering at times, you know, is it really worth it? And I think that's what the rest of the chapter of Jeremiah is about because listen to what Jeremiah says. We're going to jump now and then we're going to come back. Listen to what he says. Oh, Lord, you deceived me. And I was deceived. He says, God, this isn't what I signed up for. You overpowered me. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Jeremiah starts with this despair and depression and this thinking that happens here. And he basically looks at God and says, look, you said you'd have my back. Back in chapter 1, you told me if I stood up for you, you would, have, you would take care of me. Is this your idea of taking care of me? Uh, hello, I was just beaten and I'm put in stocks. Is this really what? Is this your idea of taking care of me? Because listen, you know, the scarecrow's looking pretty good at this point. And he says, God, do you realize everybody's making fun of me? They're mocking me. They're, 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 even my friends have turned against me. Everybody's against me. He said, there's all kinds of personal attacks. Whenever I speak your words, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. And the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach. If I, if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. He said, I'm trying to do all of this for you, Steve. I can't. But I hear many whispering saying, terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip. Sound familiar? Let other people at work cuss all day long, and nobody will say a thing. But if they know you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you slip once, they're putting it out as a news bulletin. They're posting it on the board. They're telling everybody. That's what he says. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying perhaps we, he will be deceived and we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Everybody's out to get me. This is how Jeremiah feels. I love this because this is the real Jeremiah. Have you ever felt that way with God? Have you ever felt like, look, God, I just, I just want to quit because this is just too hard. I mean, man, if I just learned to cuss like a sailor like everybody else, then... Everybody wouldn't have me under this microscope all the time. 
Nobody wouldn't be trying to pick me apart in everything I do. Look, they know what kind of jokes you listen to. They know what kind of jokes they can tell around you. They know. They're watching. They're wanting you to slip. Why? Because you are representing something different. You're trying to represent the world as God says to live in the world. And that's a threat to them. So they're waiting for you to trip. And Jeremiah is saying, God, look, I, I just don't know if I can keep living like that. Because, I mean, look at what it got me. I'm, I, I'm beaten. I'm in prison. I got no friends. Nobody wants to hear me. Nobody wants to be around me. Now, there is an advertisement for Christianity. Serve God and the world won't want anything to do with you. That's how Jeremiah feels. And then Jeremiah changes his focus. Listen to what he goes right into next. Going on. He says, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Really? Paul and Silas did that when they were imprisoned. He says, sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Now all of a sudden it changes. It's like a roller coaster with him. God, you're out to destroy me. Where are you? Oh, hey, God, you're right here. Because he's got, is, there's that battle. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he starts to realize he changes his focus from his circumstances to what? To God. It's a subtle thing, but it's a very important thing. And he changes it from what he's experiencing to what, who God is. And he says, God, look, you will take care of me. You will make it right. You will, and notice what he says, see your vengeance upon them for all I've committed, for I've committed to your cause, everything I've committed to your cause. He said, God, I, I'm standing up for you, and I realize this judgment is coming. This judgment's coming. Now, the next passage we struggle with because you watch Jeremiah as, and by the way, we've seen this before in Jeremiah, he's gone from cursing to blessing. So what do you think? So, so now you're like, Jeremiah's good, right? Everybody good? We good with Jeremiah? Jeremiah's in a good place right now, right? He's focused on God, right? Okay, let's go to the next passage. It gets fun. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. In other words, I should never have had a birthday. This is my theme from here on out. You know, you know let's not celebrate birthdays. Uh, Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born unto you, and it's a son. That man should be cursed. May that man be like the towns the, the Lord overthrew without pity. I don't know who this guy was, but I wouldn't want to be him. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave and her womb enlarged forever. He says, I just wish I was aborted. Pretty strong language. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Now we're back to this despair again. There's two ideas. One is that it's despair. 
I, I'm going to take a little bit different approach here because we're coming off of Jeremiah saying, let me see them destroyed. Let me see your judgment played out. I believe one of the things that happened in the life of Jeremiah is now Jeremiah is thinking about what that really means. That Jeremiah is really realizing friends, family, other people are going to go into this destruction and going to be wiped out. That there's some real, and it's almost this idea. <clears throat> this is what I think he's wrestling with. You're going to destroy Israel. I'm the guy that you sent to do the job to get them to turn. And they haven't turned. I failed you. It'd just been better had I not even come into this situation. It'd have been better, God, if you would have chosen somebody else. It'd have been better, God, if I was never born. Because you know what, God? When this destruction, if they would have listened to me, then all this wouldn't come. But now this is coming, and they continue to not listen to me, and they're not listening to me, and God, I have failed you. Now look, we all struggle with this. And we're in a culture that we, look, you need to figure out how you measure success. You need to figure out how you measure whether or not your life counts. Because I really think what's happening in the life of Jeremiah is he's sitting here going, you know what, God? Nobody listened to me. I failed you. I didn't do what you wanted me to do. I'm a failure, God. And so it would have been better if I hadn't even been born because I'm a failure. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk to that this is a real struggle. They feel like a failure. Remember this, failing doesn't make you a failure. Failing doesn't make you a failure. Any more than stumbling. When you stumble, when you fall, what do you do? You get back up and you keep going. That's the, by the way, how does God describe a righteous man? Not as the righteous man doesn't fall. The righteous man falls and gets up. He keeps going. And in the life of Jeremiah, I really believe one of the things that's happening is Jeremiah is saying, look, I'm going to measure success by how many people listen to my message. And since people are not listening to my message, I failed. So let me play Jeremiah's game for a few minutes. You know who the greatest prophet and all of the Old Testament was? By Jeremiah's definition, if that's Jeremiah's definition, Jonah. Jonah preaches an eight-word message, and no, I'm not going to start preaching eight-word messages. Jeremiah preaches an eight-word message in Hebrew, and an entire city comes to Christ. Greatest revival in the Old Testament, preached by a guy by the name of Jonah. Jonah, eight work, boom, entire city. But Jonah's heart in Jonah chapter 1 is wrong, and in Jonah chapter 4 is wrong. At the end of it, Jonah preaches his message. A whole town comes to Christ. You'd think he'd be all excited. You know what Jonah does? Jonah goes, he sits up on a hill, and he says, okay, God, wipe him out. I'm waiting. And God grows up this great big plant over top of him, and he goes, oh, now that's nice. Thanks, God. And then God takes the plant away, and he's ticked. And here's how the book ends. God looks at him and says, Jonah, he said, you were happy for the plant that you didn't plant. He said, then you're angry because I took a plant away from you. And it doesn't bother you that I'm going to wipe out an entire city? And God ends Jonah, the book of Jonah. You know how it ends? God says this, Jonah, if you don't care about all of the people that would have died, think about all the cattle that would have died. You don't care about 
people, maybe you'll care about things. Think of all the cattle that have been wiped out. So you have a prophet who sees great results, but with not without having a heart that follows God. On the other hand, you have Jeremiah, who's a prophet that has a heart for God and does what's right, but spends 40 years with no results. Now you tell me in God's kingdom who's rewarded. You see over and over again in the New Testament, you see this with Christ. What does he say? What does God say? Moreover, does count faithfulness. It's faithfulness that I want. I want somebody who will stick in there and plug away and keep going and going and going and going. Kind of like that Energizer buggy thing. I don't want you to give up. I want you to keep going. I want you to plug in. I want you to serve me. And no matter what comes, whether it's prison, whether it's blessing, whatever it is, you stick with me. That's what I honor. That's why we love Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about all these people of faith who follow God in spite of the circumstances, in spite of how it turned out. He says, that's what I want. And Jeremiah here feels like a failure. Now, I don't know what happens in between this section and Jeremiah getting out of prison, but something happens. Something significant happens in this short little time period. Because by the time Jeremiah gets out of prison, his attitude is completely different. So if this occurred, like I said, like I think, in between being put in prison and getting out of prison. This is his mindset. This is what's going through his head. Listen to what Jeremiah says when he gets out of prison. Going on. Jumping back to verse like uh, four or five, guys. Uh, the next day when Pasher releases him from the stocks, Jeremiah says to him, the Lord's name for you is not Pasher. I'm going to take a stab at this one. Magar Misabib. You, my friend, are Magor Misabib. Magor Misabib, that's who you are. It's interesting because, I don't know if you'll remember it, but a couple of uh, verses earlier, um, God said, God called him, um, uh, he said, oh, I've got to find this. Uh, oh, he said, the people say about me that I'm a terror on every side. Remember that? That was one of his accusations when he was depressed the first time. Anybody want to guess what Magor Misabib means? Terror on every side. Jeremiah essentially says, people say that I'm the terror because I'm bringing this judgment. I'm going to tell you right now, God has changed your name and you're the terror on every side. He goes on. I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will and have all, all have you, uh, Judah, over to the king of Babylon. Who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword? I will hand over to their enemies all the wealth of the city, all of its products, its valuables, its treasures, the kings of Judah. They will take it away, plunder it, as carried off to Babylon. And you, Pashar, and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. And there you will die and be buried. You and your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. So all of a sudden now, this is like, whoa, this is the old Jeremiah back. Where he can walk in and say, let me tell you something. You put me in prison, you tried to shut me up, but you're not shutting me up. In fact, God's going to deal with you, and it's going to deal with you big time. Because you're lying to these people. You're the priest, you're supposed to be telling the truth, you're lying to these people. And God is going to take care of you. Well, that ain't a guy who's going, man, I dread the day that I was born. Something happened. 
And I think it's during that quiet time, that, 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 that time that God spoke to his soul, God spoke to his spirit, and, and Jeremiah comes out with a renewed sense of, no, I'm not going down those roads. God, God, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing the right thing, and I'm going to stick with it. And by the way, this is about 22 years in his ministry and continues doing this for the next 18 years till he dies. And he's going to experience a whole lot more than this. A um, couple of lessons for us. Um, first of all, when, okay, here's a principle. I'll tell you the principle and explain it. After times of victory, be prepared. Jeremiah gets thrown into prison when? After he has taken the cup, smashed it in front of the elders, the leaders, everything. Big, huge victory for God. Big, huge declaration of God's message. And the next thing you know, this guy's, in, this, guy's, this guy's getting beat and thrown in prison. There's a Bible principle that says this. Anytime there are times of great victory, be prepared. Basically, because Satan ain't happy. Look at it in the life of Christ. What happens? The baptism of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes down, descends like a dove, voice from heaven, big, huge moment, rah, 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 and then what? Anybody know the next event in the life of Jesus Christ? 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Big, huge event. Jesus walks in. It's, it's the um, triumphal entry and, and palm branches, and yay, king of the Jews, hail Jesus, hail Jesus. And then it's not four days later, it crucify him. Children of Israel, they come marching out of the promised land, or marching out of Egypt. They watch as the seas part, the Egyptian army. You've seen, the, you've seen the show. It comes in and it comes cracking down upon them. And everybody's like, rah, and, 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 and they have a big song and celebration or praise service. And everybody's so excited. It takes a whole three days before Israel standing at Marah going, man, I wish we would have never left Egypt. Why? Because anytime God does something great, you need to be aware Satan wants to undo that as quickly as possible. Things are going great in your life. You've seen God do some really incredible things. You're excited and everything else. Man, enjoy it. Ride the wave as long as you can. Have a happy moment. Do happy, happy, happy. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, enjoy that moment. Just be prepared. Because Satan is not happy. I always get nervous when I start seeing God do things in this church. You know why? Because I know Satan's standing at the other side of it, ready to undo it all. That's the time to be ready. Be ready. Jeremiah preaches a great message. A lot of people hear it. Powerful message. Boom. Jeremiah's dealing with depression, despair, paranoia, struggling back and forth internally about serving God. Be ready. Be ready. I think there's a great lesson here. Second lesson, be careful about focusing on your circumstances. Look, we all live in that world of circumstances. We all live in that world where we want to focus on our circumstances. Here's what I've learned. It could always be better, and it could always be worse. It could always be better, and it could always be worse. Um, I want to challenge you. I'm not minimizing your circumstances. I am not minimizing them at all. I'm not minimizing how terrible they are, how horrible they are, how unrealistic or unfair or anything. I'll give you all of that. But I will tell you this. If you spend your time focusing on your circumstances, depression, despair, fear, paranoia, 
all of those are things that will come. Because what happens is when we put our focus on our circumstances, our world becomes about who? Us. And anytime you start living for yourself, it never ends well. And so I want to challenge you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing how horrible your circumstances are, how bad they are. I don't want to minimize it at all. I don't live in your shoes. I don't live in your world. don't have to deal with your stuff. I've got enough of my own. Okay? But I know that whenever I start putting my focus on my circumstances, I get myself in trouble. You see it in the life of Jeremiah. When he focuses on circumstances, depression, despair, paranoia, all that stuff comes with it. So what's the difference? Versus focusing on God. And he has power. Fear goes away. He realizes that God loves him. Realizes that God will protect him, that God will take care of him. It's a whole different outlook. So I would challenge you to figure out how to bring God into those circumstances. So you see, maybe God's got a better plan. We've already talked about this before. Remember when God told Jeremiah, look, don't even get married? And it looks like, man, God's being really harsh and mean and cruel. No, God was protecting him. Because God knew that when the destruction came, he was going to get ripped apart from his wife. He knew that. So God says, Jeremiah, I want to spare you from that, man. Just listen to me. Don't go down that road. It's a focus on God. And there's something internally with Jeremiah and his relationship with God that somehow, when this thing's all said and done, he's able to challenge the priest and say, look, it's not, listen, God's going to take care of you because I'm standing on God's side. And there's something that happened internally. I think personally it was Jeremiah's relationship with God. I'm thrilled you're here this morning. I really am. I am thrilled you're here. I have fun coming to church. I look forward to coming to church. Um, I look forward to laughing with you. I look forward to crying with you. I look forward to, to Sundays. And not just because I get to preach. But I mean, that's part of it too. But I look forward to saying, I really do. But if this is all you have for your spiritual life, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Because you've got to take care of yourself during the week too. You've got you to work on that relationship with God during the week on your own. Because when those difficult times come, you may be like Jeremiah in stocks, having been beaten with no friends, family, fellowship, anything that you can draw back on. It's just you and God. And during those times, you've got to have that kind of thing. I'm going to illustrate it this way, and this is kind of how I want to end it today. Okay, do we know what this is? Contrary to, I fought it for years, I finally got an iPad, I, 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 whatever, iPhone. Which do you like better? Don't care. Both of them have their pros and cons. No, I'm not selling any of them. Um, but this says 70, 76% charged. Huh? I, I think so. It's 70 or 76. One of the two, I have my reading glasses on. But 76, I think it's 76. Yeah, 76% charge, okay? 76% charge. What would happen if I would say, you know what, I'm not charging until next Sunday night, Saturday night? Yeah. 
Well, they said, I refuse to plug it in until next Saturday night. Next Saturday night, I'm going to plug it in, and it'll be 100% on Sunday morning. But then, I ain't charging it again until the next Saturday night. Am I going to have enough juice, power, whatever? Some of you are looking at me going, shoot, that'd be like heaven for me, man. That thing would burn out on Monday, and I wouldn't have a phone for six days. No one could call me. Sign me up. Wouldn't make it, would it? Because depending on the day and depending on the use, that determines whether or not I need to plug it in. That's why some of you struggle during the week. Because you're not doing anything to recharge yourself spiritually with your relationship with God. And so you find yourself doing well on Sunday afternoon and maybe even Sunday night, but by the time we get to Friday... Oh, there's nothing in that spiritual bank. And you wonder why you struggle so much. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about spending time with God, recharging you to be able to handle whatever comes that way. Jeremiah somehow found a way to do that so that even in despair, even in, I wish I could die, I wish I would have never been born, something happens where he then has the power to look at a Pashar and say, you know what? I'm not the terror everybody you are. And my God, who I earlier thought abandoned me, I realized he's been here right along, and I need to change my attitude. Listen, buddy, you're going down. Why? Because there is something that Jeremiah had inside that was charged up enough for him to be able to go, you know what? I can stand for God. I can do this. I can make it with God's help. And that's my challenge for you this week. My challenge is for you to be able to do it. I'm not minimizing the, the, the circumstances. Please understand that. I'm not minimizing this guy was beaten 40 times, was lost blood, was exhausted, was everything else, and that any one of us would probably go there. What amazes me is that's not where he stayed. And that's not where any of us should stay either. So I'm going to challenge you this week. Walk with God. Whatever it is, you know, for some of you, if it's music, if it's, if it's an iPad thing, phone app, whatever it is, get the Word of God into your life to make it real this week and build that relationship with God. I can't imagine talking to my wife once a week. Going, hey, baby, I love you. I'll hit you up again about that on Sunday morning. What kind of relationship will we have? Think it's any different with God? Can't imagine taking my phone and going, you know, I'm going to charge you once a week, man. I hope you can make it. There are some weeks I probably could make it because you need to know. (sighs) I have this so I can call you, not so you can call me. All right? I have a phone with an answering machine, so you can call me. Um, But I have that, so I can call you. So I will actually go a day, a whole entire day, and never look at that thing. And people go, oh, man, they texted me yesterday. You know, and my kids know this now. They're like, they'll text me, and then they'll call. Uh, Because they still, I'm not, you know. (sighs) But I couldn't go a week. I know I couldn't go a week. And if it was a crisis where I need the phone all day long, 
I got to keep a charger in my car. And I even bought an emergency backup charger that I carry with me that I can plug in so that I can charge it when it runs down and I'm not aware that it's run down. Kind of got some of that stuff spiritually in my back pocket too. Because I've been in those times when I'm running on zero. Jeremiah, just like us, goes through the same stuff. So I want to challenge you this week. So I end it this way by saying this. This week, Jeremiah shows us his humanity. As he wrestles with the circumstances and the consequences of doing right, he reminds us that we need to see life from God's perspective, not ours. That way, God can use us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Thanks for the day. Thanks for the time. Thanks for your word. Lord, it's easy to talk about. It's easy to listen to. It's hard to do. So now we've got a responsibility, Lord, to go out and to apply it and to do it. So for those, Lord, who have walked in today and they're focusing on all this stuff, and Lord, the stuff's overwhelming. God, give them the grace and the peace and the strength that they need. Help them to see you in those circumstances. For those that are here this morning, things are going great. God, they have seen you work in so many ways, and it's so exciting. Lord, help them to be ready for Satan who stands around the corner. And for each of us, Lord, as we go throughout this week and we come to those times when we need you more than anything else, may we have developed that relationship that keeps our spiritual life in tune and ready and prepared for the things that come at us every day. And God, we will give you the honor and glory and praise these things we ask in your name. Um, Let's stand together. We're going to sing Calvary.